Hi, I'll start this by saying, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great day. So last time I spoke about how there's like a missing middle that I had identified between like structured data and then like the data that you can have surfaced to you as a user. And I talked about the semantic web. Here I have kind of like a related idea, but here the missing middle is not actually like the data that we have, but how we actually use large language models and how we use like a lot of different like AI systems and search engines. And I won't be delving into ethics just yet. I won't be delving into like data privacy just yet. I'm just talking about strictly the technology. And one thing that has those like one thing that makes my curiosity start to spin is this missing middle but now it's with regard to like we have search engines on one hand and we have like large language models on the other hand and it seems like there's a missing middle in that we don't really have like a system that I would imagine like normalizes all of the world's knowledge into a, you know, a huge graph of entities and relationships between those entities. And the reason I think it's so weird is I like, I'm always talking about this. So I might've even mentioned it in a previous episode, but it's pretty peculiar that we try to use large language models to store factual data. And it's peculiar, especially because um, we know that facts change over time. And, you know, we we also know, and like everyone in the research world has known that, like, it's pretty unsustainable to tr retrain a, a large language model every, like, every couple of months to update it with the factual knowledge of the world. And we, we, we have lots of, lots of like examples of this, but one thing that I think is pretty like telling is the fact that like immediately when these large language models started to hit the forefront, there was this event where, uh, Steve Wolfram of Wolfram Alpha fame, he was like, oh, these things lie okay, just attach Wolfram Alpha to it and now they won't lie because Wolfram Alpha will be like an information retrieval tool and you can get factual information from this. And so we've understood that large language models are not going to be like retrained every couple of days or whatever. But the solution seems to also have its own like interesting aspects because to my knowledge there has not been any like formal studies that confirm like for absolute sure that with like presented with the factual content um language models definitely won't lie like i haven't seen any like theoretical or empirical evidence in a research paper to suggest that like lying is completely eliminated and depending on how frequent lying happens and 
by lying, I'm referring to what other people would call like hallucinations. And I also recognize that like calling it lying uh, is is kind of a uh, not personalization. It's a um, personification of the, you know, system that's like not confirmed to be sentient. But I think lying is the part that I'm concerned with. Be like nobody complains when these, you know, large language models tell the truth. Uh, and when I say nobody complains, what I mean is kind of like nobody's saying it's a bad thing that they're telling the truth. Like we, we generally as a society, like prefer that truth gets out and not lies. Right. And one of the things that like I read in this like hacker news post was that every, everything that a, everything that a, a large language model outputs is a hallucination. And like on one hand, that's like funny. And on the other hand, you have to kind of take it seriously a little bit because to the model, there's no difference between telling a lie and then telling the truth. Or instead of saying a lie, I can just say falsehood. Like there's no difference between telling a falsehood and telling the truth. And so getting back to what I was saying, when we had like these large language models and people were like, okay, it's, it's outputting these false statements. People said, okay, let's give it factual knowledge as an input. And that will reduce the proportion of time that it will tell a falsehood. However, I think unless there's any like empirical or theoretical evidence that it that says it won't lie, we are still compelled to fact check every single thing that the large language model outputs. So we're kind of stuck. And like another property that's like really interesting is that when something is output from like a large language model, we generally like attribute just because there's no source information attached to it. We generally seem to like attribute that to like OpenAI themselves. Like there were cases where OpenAI themselves were getting sued for an output of ChatGPT, which on one hand is like really like, really like interesting because ChatGPT, like when you're using the tool, it says, hey, there's a chance that it'll state false things. And I think the lawyers are well aware of the fact that they've disclosed that it's not meant to be a source of truth. But when it comes to like saying like slanderous or libelous claims, like your reputation can still be harmed even if, you know, a large language model is the, the, you know, source of the claim. So it's almost like some part of the editorial process, it, like the lawsuit is treating OpenAI as a publisher and the claims are now 
being attributed to OpenAI rather than the source of the, the claim. It's very interesting. In any case, what, what I think all of this means is that there is a missing middle. Like, there is a medium between search engines and large language models. There's a medium where you input a query, the query gets decomposed into a bunch of subqueries, and each subquery is matched with very, very good accuracy to a particular, like, symbol, like a particular entity. Right? So, if we did have a knowledge graph of an internet, the question wouldn't be, do you need, like, a huge large language model? Like, that question wouldn't even exist. If we had a semantic web, there would be no question. Like, it would absolutely just straight up be, oh, who can query the semantic web the fastest? Who can give the most accurate answers as quickly as possible? Right. If we had a semantic web, large language models wouldn't need to exist as they do, except as like a peripheral layer, except as like a very last stage if you want to turn an answer into natural language, right? So instead of staying in this like neural space where it's like vectors and the map is fuzzy and everything is approximate, your query enters the system and then at each stage, you know the like approximate confidence of, you know, the step that's taking place in the first stage. Your query is decomposed into a bunch of subqueries. And then those subqueries are matched to like entities. And we can understand that this matching is a very tractable problem. It's not very uh, difficult to imagine that like the, you know, U.S. president, that term, and the president of the United States of America get correctly matched to their correct entities. Um, they get matched to the same entity. And, okay, so if we have that, then it just becomes a, a graph search task. We don't have, like, who is the president of the United States and the language model that was trained when Joe Biden was president says, hey, it's Joe Biden. Like, we, we don't have that problem anymore. Like, um, so then, like, after your, after your query gets encoded into these, like, so you go from, like, soft, like, natural language, to a little bit less soft, which is these, like, entity identifiers. And then you stay in that less soft, in that more rigid regime until the entire query is evaluated. And then at the peripheral of the system, like after you're done with every hard step of the, the hard logic and the hard facts, that's when you can decode it back into natural language. And that encoding and decoding, I find really interesting because like 
those are very tractable. Like, you can have retrieval augmented generation at the very edge of your system, and it would not take a huge, huge language model because what the what the language model would do is very, very simple. Like, very simple. Like, adding words, adding, like, determiners where they need to be, and answering the question in the form of a complete sentence. Um, and so the benefit of this kind of a system would be you could attribute it. Like, if the web was semantic, you could get an answer to a question and then immediately have all the citations that you could ever need. And so you would be embracing the fact that these large language models, like, do indeed serve the purpose of search engines. Like, then, like, you could also add in some other interesting steps. Like, you can say, oh, I don't have your real answer, but look, here is a similar answer. And then, reasoning by analogy, we can obtain this. And then it'll describe the analogy that it's building. It'll map from what it knows to be like a rigid, correct, you know, hard answer. It will confess. It will say, hey, I didn't have the, you know, your best answer. I didn't have evidence of that. Okay, I'm going to perform this analogy. And it, it'll translate the, the whole, like, response into your answer and they will tell you the reasoning it used now analogies are also tractable analogies um, can be solved by word vectors um, so if analogies are tractable and then you can decode them and that's also tractable you're taking this one huge intractable thing and you're decomposing it into a bunch of tractable problems with hard like rigid service level guarantees and you wouldn't need to train a huge enormous like large language model for that now in talking about this i'm forced to confront this idea that like what if there really is something with large language models that only can happen when that only can happen when you are at this huge scale like what i've been talking about so far isn't like coding like coding would not be achievable using this kind of uh, regime like using this kind of step-by-step -step decomposition of the query um i don't think it could be like maybe hey maybe it'll maybe i just need to think about that a little bit more Maybe I can just imagine a world where it takes some existing code that already does a similar thing, and then it inserts new code from a different source that does a similar thing, and then it uses the types of the functions um, or infers them, and then ensures that those types are also taken care of. And bam, um, there you go. Now you have something that does what you want it to do. And it didn't require this like intractable step of 
piping the whole thing through a large language model, but rather was accomplished by just literally like using logical reasoning steps, uh, like composition, like making sure the types check out. And who knows, maybe there's a world where we went that path instead of this one. Maybe there's a world where, you know, literally anyone could run, well, could get the same amount of, like, utility out of something that runs on their phone as they do a large language model that runs in a huge data center somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, so that, that pretty much, like, describes my idea. There, there's definitely bound to be like a bunch of like uh, challenges that I didn't even really anticipate, but there, there are absolutely things in large language models that are just like a fundamental property of large language models in general that you, you, you like that you might not be able to patch out. Like there, there are some things that are like necessarily not controllable. If you just put in, you know, a bunch of data, like there are just guarantees that you cannot make. Like we don't know if reinforcement learning with human feedback, we don't know if that actually suppresses enough of the thing. We can only observe it. We, we can't see how it behaves in every single circumstance, you know. What about regressions? How do we know that a later update doesn't re-expose a previously patched out vulnerability? There are some, you know, actual like immutable properties of large language models that will never be addressed except by a fundamentally different system. Um, yeah, something about the training would definitely... Like, I'm not even convinced changing... You know, filtering out some "quote unquote" undesirable data would necessarily be sufficient. I'm not convinced of that yet. It, it would take, in my opinion, like a fundamental rethinking of the relationship between the model, the data, and like factual knowledge. And I don't have the answer. I I don't want to make it sound like I do. I just know, like, I just know that large language models today have these like fundamental limitations that are you know baked in to their architecture that you cannot just patch out and maybe i'm wrong like i have to like you know i think we all have to be a little bit humble when it comes to ai like i think almost everything we say these days has to be prefaced with today or, you know, like some, some other forms of qualifiers, like in today's AI, in today's world, for ChatGPT in particular, for large language models in general today, like we have to have those kinds of, like we have to be humble about this. Because the reality is like, I don't know as much as the, you know, best human expert in, in large language models. And even experts are, like, demonstrably not, like, not, they, they, they're demonstrably bad <laughs> at predicting the future. 
like the best human experts can't predict emergent capabilities of AI systems. Um, and it's not even their fault. It's like this whole thing is a black box and we just don't know the relationship between parameters and, you know, like there are these people who think that it's like a phase shift hypothesis they have where they, they, they believe that on, on scaling it, that additional marginal percentage, it'll, it'll like reach some insanely, you know, surprising thing. And I, I, I can't disagree. Like we don't know yet. We, we have to face the fact of the matter, which is that nobody knows it's a black box. Uh, we don't, we really just don't know. So I would like to retroactively qualify everything I said with this internal dialogue that I, I should try to say more frequently out loud, which is that everything I said was true of AI as it exists today, except for when I explicitly said, like, I think it's a fundamental limitation of large language models that they're unpredictable. Like that part, I think <laughs> would, uh, yeah, would, would, would stand for a while. Yeah. And, um, that's it for today. Yeah. And if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, and, uh, yeah, I hope you have a good one. Take care.